right, all right. Church, say amen. amen. John chapter number 8. Let's remain standing. We're going to read just a couple verses, and then I'll let you sit down. If you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, raise your hand. If you need a lesson, raise your hand. Anybody need a lesson, forgot to pick up a lesson? Who's going to help me with that? Somebody help me with that. Get them lessons out. we got several over here. Anybody on this side? Who's getting them over here? <clears throat> Lord, it's an epidemic on this side. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> run, run, run. It's the only time you're allowed to run in church, man. Get with it. All right, help them, Dustin. Raise your hand real high. Raise your hand. We want to make sure you get a lesson. This is going to be a really good one. Really, really good one. All right. All right. How many of you ever studied a, 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 a story in the Bible, a scripture in the Bible, and then God kind of reveals what it is, and you say, oh, that's what that means. This is, this is going to be one of those times. Uh, a lot of times, and, and there's something that we're going to learn from this too, there's a danger, there's a danger in misunderstanding a story in the Bible, misunderstanding a truth in the Bible. Now, you say, what's the big deal about misunderstanding a story? Because when we misunderstand a story, then we misinterpret it, and then we misapply it, and then we get unbiblical. Are y'all with me? And we're going to kind of see that. We're going to kind of see that tonight and how that could be possible, okay? John chapter 8, 8 verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. 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 Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. So here he is. He's in the midst of his teaching. He's in the midst of his ministering. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. This wasn't hearsay. This wasn't hearsay. This was in the very act. <clears throat> Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? What do you say about it? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left standing, or excuse me, and Jesus was left, what's that word? Alone. Alone. And the woman standing in the midst... When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for truth. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I, 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 Lord, I, I get excited every time, every time we have an opportunity to share it and every time we have a, a time that we can study and learn and just grow and glean. And Lord, this is, this is no exception. Lord, you, you have not disappointed tonight and I'm thankful for the privilege it is. But Lord, I do know even with truth, even with an outline, even with some notes and on the paper, I still desperately need your Holy Spirit to guide everything I say. Everything I do tonight, I pray that your perfect will be done. I pray that you'll help me to teach in clarity. Help me to teach in such a way that everyone will leave here saying it was good. And I understood what was being said. God, I'll thank you for all that you do and what you've already done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I, sometimes I will, I will take a, a, a commentary or, or someone's uh, description and explanation and use it as an intro. And uh, I couldn't find one for this particular story. Uh, so I wrote my own. And I, I, I want to do this. I want to intro uh, this particular study tonight. 
by, by helping us understand something. Because many times, I, I grew up, I, 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 sometimes I get carried away. Sometimes I get carried away, and I just assume that people know what I know. And, and I, was, I was talking with my daughter this past week about last week's Bible study, and, and, and sometimes when I use, I'll use some terminology that everybody may not understand and everybody may not have because uh, they haven't been in church as long as I have or have, has, has studied the Bible as much in detail. And, and so I want to I try to be as clear as possible and explain as, 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 as clear as I can. Uh, but many times when you've been in, in church a while and you've heard a story told a certain way, and you've heard it preached a certain way, and you've heard it applied a certain way, uh, you get ideas about that that's the way it is. Well, this is one of those stories that most of my life, most of my life I've always, I mean, there's been songs written about this story. There's been, there's been you know, uh, plays done, uh, dramas done with this story. The woman caught in the very act of adultery. I mean, here it is. There's, there's, there's no feel-good story like this feel-good story. I mean, everybody loves a happy ending, right? Everybody loves this person who was wrong, this person who was guilty, this person, uh, you know, who was, there's no question about it, but look how, look how loving God is and look how compassionate Jesus is. Look how merciful Jesus is. And because he loved her so much, he let her go. What a feel-good story. The only problem with that is, is none of that's true. This is not just a feel-good story. It's really not. And it's really, it's really not about her at all when we study it. And so with that being said, with that being said, let's, let's dive into this. Let, let's, let's look at what's happening. And, and here's what I want you to see. This is a courtroom scene. This is a courtroom scene. So here's what I want you to do. As we study this, this story, I want you to imagine a courtroom. I want you to imagine a courtroom. Uh, 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 I want you to uh, be there. I want you to see the judge. I want you to see the prosecuting attorney. I want you to see the accused. In this, in this particular story, we find the woman is the, the accused. She's the one who is guilty. Uh, I mean, here, here she is. We see the scribes and the Pharisees. They are the prosecutors. They are the ones that's, that's bringing judgment against her. And what has taken place is they have invited Jesus to be the judge. They've asked Jesus to be the judge. If you're with me, say amen. We're going to look at three things tonight. Number one, we're going to look at the trap. We're going to look at the trap. Number two, we're going to look at the trial. And then number three, we're going to look at the truth tonight, okay? Let's look in our, let's look in our words. Verse, verse number one, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribe, now remember, remember this, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees are, are the leaders of the Jewish religion. If you remember that, say amen. amen. Now, how many of y'all remember in the last few weeks we've learned that they hate Jesus, they despise Jesus, and they want to kill Jesus? Are y'all with me? But in order to do that, they've got to they've get something on him. They can't just go kill him and they can't just go arrest him because with, without that, it will make them look guilty. So they got to get something on the guy. They're trying their best to find something that they could come against Jesus with. So here's what they do. The scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stone, but what sayest thou? Now this is a, this is a tricky situation. This is a tricky situation, and, and for, for more reasons than one, I, I've, I've heard commentary, or read commentaries that explained it several different ways. One, one if, if, if he said, go ahead and stone her, then he would, lose the, he would lose the affection and the love of the common people, and they wouldn't hear him. They would say he's not compassionate. He's not a friend of sinners like, like everybody, uh, like he, he makes himself out to be. If he, says, if he says not to stone her, then he is breaking the law of Moses, and now we got him. We got him. Some have said that uh, it, it was, they didn't have any judicial authority then because Rome had it, 
and they couldn't have, they couldn't have executed her anyway. It had to come through Rome. And, and so if he said that not to stone her, that he would be breaking the law of Moses. If he said to stone her, then it would cause trouble with Rome. So either way, either way, they're trying to put Jesus in a pickle. They're trying to catch him with something. They're trying to put him in a situation where he really has no out and he really has no good answer. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. So here's, here's we, we have the trap. Three things I want you to write down. Under the trap, first thing I want you to see is their address. Their address. They address Jesus as master. Now remember, they hate him. And this is important. How they address him is important. Uh, they address him as master or teacher. They address him as the teacher, the one to come and teach them. So what, what are they doing? They're trying to play on words here. And they're trying to set him up, if you will. Okay, if you're the teacher, if you're, if you're, you're, you're so all fire and smart, you know, you're, you're coming as a rabbi, you with me? They're setting him up for the fall. They address him as master. And by the way, if you look through the scriptures, most of the time when the, when the Jews address him as master, it's always in a negative connotation. It's always in a way to try to trap him with something. All right, the address, then, then B, write this down. Not only the address, but I want you to see their accusation. Their accusation, verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Here's their accusation. Here's, here's what we have. We have a woman who is a married woman. This woman is married, and she is, she is uh, uh, having uh, 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 an, a relationship, uh, a physical relationship with somebody who is not her husband. All right? She is caught in the very act. There's no question about it. Here we have her. This is not, she's not being accused necessarily of this by somebody. We caught her. Or that's the accusation. She has been caught. That's what they tell Jesus. They have this person. Now imagine this. Imagine this. Jesus is here teaching. Uh, Jesus is, is, is doing his thing. And, and all of a sudden, this, this kind of a miniature mob of people come in with all this commotion and, 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 and put this woman in front of her. Most likely, most likely she probably is maybe, maybe even naked, maybe, maybe with a sheet around her. Uh, and, and here she is humiliated. Here she is probably weeping, probably weeping. Uh, in her shame and everything here. And, and this is the thing. Uh, these people hate Jesus so much. And they, they don't care about the law. Their whole, their whole defense is that they're trying to defend the law. We're trying to make sure God's word is being kept. And in all that is a lie. All that is a lie. Religion... Ladies and gentlemen, religion will make a hypocrite out of you. Religion, now think about this, religion without God will make a hater out of you. And this is what we have. We have religion without Christ. We have religion without God. We have the law without, and, and so here we have haters here we have hypocrites. They don't care about this poor woman. They don't care about her. They're using her as a pawn. They're using her as a tool to get to Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So there she is. Here's the accusation. You remember, this is a courtroom scene. This is a courtroom scene. We have the prosecutors. The prosecutors are the scribes and the Pharisees. And then we have the accused. Here she is. She's caught in adultery, taken in the very act. This is the accusation. Here we are now. Here is the key. Here is the key. What sayest thou? What sayest thou? I want you to write this down and then we'll, we'll go into point two. Don't you see their agenda? Their agenda. It's found in the very next verse. It's found in the very next verse. Look what it says in verse number six. This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. 
What are they trying to do? They're trying to trap him. <clears throat> I put several verses in your notes there. Matthew 19, 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every call? In other words, they're trying to trap him with divorce. Matthew twenty-two fifteen. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in this talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Master, see how they're using that word again? Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God. There's, there's, there's full of it. They just, they just so full of it. That's the only way I can say that. They're, 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 they're using this flattery. They're using this flattery to try to, and, and they think they're going to, they're, they're, they're slick. And, and they say, we know that you're this and we know that you're that. Neither carest thou for any man. See, they're using this terminology to put him in a corner. For thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Now they're trying to trap him with taxes. After they just set him up and said, we know you don't care about man. You don't, you, you're not a respecter of person. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to pull him in. Are y'all with me? They try to use divorce. They try to use taxes. Luke eleven fifty three, 53. And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently. I mean, they got angry about it. To provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might, what? Accuse him. Can it, how many of you have ever watched, how many of you have ever watched uh, uh, maybe a courtroom scene in a movie or on TV? Uh, I, I can't help but think of Tom Cruise in that movie uh, as a few good men where he's got Jack Nicholson on there and he's just keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. And, and, and until Jack Nicholson just blows up. You want me on this wall? That sounded kind of like him, didn't I? <laughs> you need me on this wall. You know, he just, that's what they're doing. They're badgering him and badgering him and badgering him. And it says vehemently. In other words, it, this, is, this is getting in an emotional thing. Trying to catch him. Trying to trip him up. They don't care about the law. They don't, they don't care about righteousness. They don't care about holiness. They're not, they're not, they don't have this woman here because they want to keep the nation of Israel pure and right. And the whole point of the law and the whole point of judicial action against adultery was to keep holiness and purity in a nation so that it didn't go bankrupt kind of like America has. They didn't care about holiness. They didn't care. All they saw was an opportunity to try to get Jesus. And so they set a trap. They set a trap. And by the way, it's a pretty good trap. It's a pretty good trap. There's really no good answer from the human standpoint. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. They're trying to use the law to trap him. How stupid is that? That you try to use the law against the one who wrote it. Y'all with me? So here we have it. Here we have it. We have a trap. We have a trap set. Now, number two, let's look at the trial. Let's look at the trial. This is so cool. When you see this, first thing I want you to write down is their request. Their request. <clears throat> And what I mean is the scribes and the Pharisees. Their request, what sayest thou? In other words, when you write that down, look up at me. Look up at me. Stay with me. Stay with me. This is one of them kind you can't go to the bathroom or get popcorn while you're watching this movie. You're going to miss it. Say amen. All right. Here they are. You remember what kind of scene is it? Courtroom scene. All right. We have, we have. We have the, uh, the accusers, we have the prosecuting attorney, and, and, and then, and then we, have, we have the accused, he's standing accused, and, and here they are, we have the accusers, we have the accused, and now, now, we find the judge. These, these scribes and Pharisees are inviting, or basically asking Jesus to be 
the judge. Y'all see it? What sayest In other words, let's put it in our terminology. Now the, now the word, the law says that we need to stone her. Uh, but you be the judge. Y'all with me? They put him on the spot, they thought. They backed him in a corner. Now we know what the law says. You know, Jesus has been healing and been fixing, been blessing and loving on people. And now we know what the law says, but what sayest thou? You be the judge. So they're asking Jesus to be the judge in this courtroom scene. And you know what Jesus does? Okay. As we're going to see. We see their request. Then B, write this down. Write this down. Let's look what it says. <clears throat> the Bible says, Now Moses in the law commanded us that, that that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? That's the request. We want you to judge. We want you to say the word. What do you think about this deal? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. All right? Now, here's what I want you to write down under B. A, we have the request. He's, they're asking him to be the judge in the trial. If you can see that, say amen. All right, B, write this down. I want you to see the reminder. The reminder. <clears throat> and we're going to come back to this particular verse here in, in, in point three too. But, uh, but here's the reminder. All right, Jesus is doing his thing. He's teaching. Uh, 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 and here, here we have th these people trying to trap Jesus, these people that hate Jesus, and they're trying to get some evidence against him. They're trying to get the skinny on him and, 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 and trying to put him in a corner. And, and so here we have this woman caught in the act of adultery. She's here being accused. Uh, what do you think about this deal? And, 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 and Jesus, he, he, don't even, he don't even address them. He don't even say anything to them. All he does, he kneels down. Now, 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 read the verse to me. Read the verse to me. Today. <clears throat> All right, help me. He, he stooped down. He stooped down and wasn't saved. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Go back to the verse. He stooped on the ground. You missed a part. All right, everybody, hold it up. Hold your finger. And that's what we say in the South, finger. It's not a finger, it's a finger, amen? This is a key. This is a key. He never even answered him. He just stooped down. Now, now, always when you're studying the Bible, everything counts. God doesn't happen to accidentally put something in the Bible. Now, who, who are we talking about right now? Jesus. Who is Jesus? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word... All right, you remember in studying the Bible, here's how we study the Bible. The Bible will interpret itself. The Bible is the best commentary for the Bible. How many of y'all have heard of the law of first mention? Law of first mention. In other words, when you see something, go find it again. A word, a word, maybe something that takes place. Uh, where was the first time you see it in Scripture? Where was the first time you see that word in Scripture? Well, let's look at this story. Where do we find God and a finger writing on the ground. It's in Exodus. It's in Exodus. What is he doing? God stoops down to this earth, takes his finger, and he writes the law. Let me say it again. Y'all are a little slow tonight. 
What are they trying to trap him with? The law. What are they trying to use as a weapon against him? All right. What is Jesus reminding them? Hey, fellas, I wrote. What is he doing? I believe he is qualifying himself as the judge. If I'm going to be the judge of this thing, you need to understand I am well qualified. If we're going to use the law, gentlemen, if we're going to use the law in this court proceeding, you need to understand I am well qualified to use the law. I am well versed in the law because I'm the one. Say amen. There's a reminder. We're going to come back to that. That's some more good stuff than that. <clears throat> uh, then C. First we have A in this trial. In this trial, this courtroom scene, A. A. Help me, people. We have their request. They're asking him to be the judge. What sayest thou? You be the judge in this matter. I know what Moses said, but what do you say? You judge this situation. So, Jesus qualifies himself as the judge. There was a day that someone wrote the law, and that was God with his finger. That's the only time you find that. We do find the hands of a man in Daniel writing on a wall, but there's only one place where God's finger wrote on the ground. That's when he wrote the law. He's qualifying himself. This is what I, I believe in this situation. All right? Now, see. I want you to see the rebuttal. This is when it gets good. <clears throat> The rebuttal. <clears throat> now, if you've ever been in trouble and you had a prosecuting attorney on, on, uh, on your case trying to give you grief, you'll appreciate when the judge gets on to the prosecuting attorney. <laughs> and that's what's fixing to happen. That's what's fixing to happen. Now, do you remember when I said in the beginning of this thing, if you take a Bible story and a Bible truth and misinterpret it, you can get all messed up. And here's what happens. Let me give you some illustrations. Here's what happens when we misinterpret this story. When we think this story is a feel-good story about a woman who's caught in a very act of adultery and Jesus forgives her and lets her go. When we think of that and we think this is what this story is all about and that that's what happened, that that's what's happened, then we get this, oh, don't judge me. Don't judge me. You know, hey, look, Jesus let her go. If Jesus let her go, why are you looking down at me? Why are you judging me? And then when we misunderstand what Jesus says in this next verse, you that are without sin, you cast the first stone. That makes it even worse. How many times have you heard people say, well, you know, don't, don't judge me just because you sin differently than me. And they minimize their own sin. Let me, let, me, let me help you with something. I'm not making a judgment. If you're sleeping with somebody that's not your wife, I'm not making a judgment saying you're committing adultery. I'm stating a fact. I'm not making a judgment. It's a fact. Are y'all with me? Now, here's what, here's what this is saying, and we're going to explain it. Don't, don't worry. i got a lot of scripture to go to tonight. He begins to deal with the case they have. You remember, scribes and Pharisees, they are the who in this, in this courtroom scene? Prosecuting attorney. Jesus is the... All right. Now, we have the accused, and Jesus is going to get to her. Jesus is going to get to her. But as the judge, the first thing he has to deal with is the prosecuting attorney because they have a problem with their case. They have a problem with their case. What is the problem, preacher? The problem is, is that they're trying to use the law against this woman, but they have not used all the law. They took a little portion of the law out and tried to use that as a weapon against Jesus and use her as the, as the tool to do it. But Jesus said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. In order to execute somebody, 
In order to execute somebody, you, you left some stuff out, fellas. We got a major problem here. Let's look at your notes. Look at your notes. <clears throat> look at the rebuttal. Watch what he says. First, number one, there's a lack of witnesses. There's a lack of witnesses. It says in, in Deuteronomy 19.15, Deuteronomy 19.15, in the law, come on people, in the law, it says, one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin, and any sin that he has sinned at the mouth of two witnesses or the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. All right, Deuteronomy 17.6, at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death. That's why Jesus said, dealing with them, you throw the first one. What's the problem? They haven't presented any witnesses. They just made an accusation. We have a problem. Where's the witnesses? And there's got to be more than one. Now, now, now this thing stinks to high heaven. How is it that they just happened to catch somebody in the act of adultery to be able to use this against Jesus? That's a whole nother story. But there's no witnesses. There's no witnesses. We don't have any witnesses presented in this story. Especially, there may have been one, all right? If there's not more than one, then she cannot be executed. She cannot be executed. So we have a lack of witnesses. Secondly, there's a missing accomplice. There's a missing accomplice. Watch what the law says. He goes back to the law. Look what it says. I say he goes back. This is what it says. Deuteronomy 22, 22. If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die. die. Both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. What happened? Where's the man? It takes two to commit adultery. So where is Romeo? We have a missing accomplice. We can't, we can't, listen, you can't execute her if you don't have him. If you're going to follow the <laughs> I got something else. And this is going to make what he said make so much sense now. Number one, there was a lack of. Number two, there was a. Number three, there were unqualified accusers. Unqualified accusers. Preacher, what are you saying? Look what he says. <clears throat> Verse seven. Now what is happening? Keep the courtroom scene. Keep the courtroom scene. Jesus is the judge. The judge is responsible for making sure the prosecutors and the defense attorney behave themselves. He's the one that rules the courtroom, right? He's the one in charge of the courtroom. He's got to keep them intact. So what is he saying? The first person he addresses, who does he address, the woman or the accusers? The accusers. Why? They're the ones bringing the accusation. So he deals with them first. We see there's, there's not sufficient witnesses. There is, there's a missing accomplice. Where's the man at in this deal? Then, then thirdly, there's unqualified. Watch how he does. He's addressing them. He's dealing with them. Look what he says in verse number 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now, when we misinterpret Scripture, this is what we say. This is what we think. This is what this sounds like. Okay, nobody's perfect. So let's just put our rocks down and leave her alone. Because we're all sinners. How many times have you heard that? 
How many times has people in this world try to justify their sin and justify their wickedness and justify their misbehavior? By just saying, you sinners, y'all, or you, 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 you Christians, you're just hypocrites, you just sin differently than us, you're just being judgmental. If you preach against sin, if you, if you point out wicked behavior, you're just being judgmental. Because it says, you without sin cast the first stone. That means you have to be perfect. That's not even biblical. Remember this. Don't take one piece of scripture. Don't take one verse and then try to prove something you want to believe just by that one verse. It has to stay in context with the rest of the Bible. I can say anything I want to with, I can pick and choose and say anything I want it to say. But when I compare it to the rest of Scripture, you with me? So when we take this verse and compare it with the rest of the Scripture, does that mean I cannot, uh, 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 let's, let's, use it, let's use it as an illustration, let's use it as an illustration in modern day with, with, with what Paul taught in the New Testament. Uh, how many of y'all know that, turn with me right now, turn with me right now to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. There's a guy, <clears throat> there's a guy having a, an affair with a stepmama in the, in the church in Corinth. This is wickedness. Now, 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 before you get, before you get crazy and sideways on this deal and all this kind of stuff, uh, listen, in churches all over America, people are having affairs. So there's not a whole lot changed in society or with people over the years. But Paul says, you need to do something about this. All right? Look in, look in 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians. Let me, let me turn. I, I guess I got to be there too, huh? All right? You there? It is reported commonly, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you. For I verily, as an absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged. Oh, look out. He says, I have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ... To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven. In other words, deal with the sin in the church. That ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. People having sex out of wedlock, not married. He said, don't even company with them. Don't hang out with them. Yet not altogether, he clarifies it, he clarifies it. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or the extortioners or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. In other words, you'd have to go to another planet. If you're going to try to, what he's saying here, he's not saying don't hang out with lost people that's doing this. He says people that are supposed to be Christians, people that are in the church is doing it. He says you shouldn't be hanging with them. You should put them away. They should know that's shameful. That's shameful. Watch, watch. But now, verse 11, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother, he specifies it, and they're claiming to be saved, but they're, they're, they're doing this behavior. He says, don't even eat with them. Why? It's to create conviction in their heart. They should know it's shameful behavior. Now watch, here's the key. For what have I to do, or excuse me, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away that from among you yourselves that wicked person. In other words, you need to deal with this. 
You have to judge sinful behavior. Are y'all with me? This totally, for the people who say, this means we're not supposed to be judgmental or call out sin or call out wickedness, or, or that is contradicting Scripture. So that is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying you got to be perfect to throw a stone. You have to be perfect without sin. I, I, I've heard this, and I, I've even said this out of ignorance because I heard somebody else saying it sounded good to me. There was only one man that was perfect there. There was only one man qualified to cast this stone, and that was Jesus. And, and we know if we study Scripture, that can't be it because they stoned people in the Old Testament, and there has never been a perfect person. Amen. So we know if they pronounce judgment throughout the Old Testament and throughout the period of the law, you didn't have to be perfect. But you did have to be right. What do, you, what do you mean, preacher? What's Jesus saying here then? If he's not saying you have to be perfect and sinless to judge this person or to bring judgment and execute this woman, what's he saying? And this is what convicts the scribes and the Pharisees. Watch this. <clears throat> I want you to look. In Romans chapter 2, Turn to Romans chapter 2 with me. No, it's in your notes. It's in your notes. Let's save some time. Let's save some time. God knows we don't have enough of it. Amen. <laughs> Romans 2. Look in your notes. It's right under number 3, unqualified accusers. What's Paul? Paul is basically teaching the same truth that Jesus is trying to emphasize here. All right? Look what he says. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man. Whosoever thou art that judges, for wherein that, what makes this bad? What makes this bad? If, if, it's, if it's judging in its own self, we know that God tells us to judge sin. He tells us to judge righteous judgment, right? He, he tells us to have a right assessment. And, and even the verse that everybody likes to use, everybody likes to use this. Uh, you, have, you have a beam in your eye. You remember? You're worrying about the mold in your brother's eye and you got a beam in your own eye. But what does Jesus say at the end of that deal? He said, get the beam out your eye so you can help your brother get the... Uh-huh. What is he saying? He's not saying don't help your brother or don't call out sin. He's saying if you're going to call out sin, you better be right. Oh, yeah. Watch, watch, watch what he says. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. Why? For thou that judgest doest the... And he even, he even clarifies it. Watch this. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. Watch what he says in verse 22. It's the same identical thing that Jesus is dealing with. Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, doest thou... In other words, Paul is saying, how are you standing here accusing someone of committing adultery while you are doing the same thing? This is when judgment is inexcusable. When you are sitting here and standing in accusation over somebody while you're committing the same sin. Get the beam out of your own eye. Now let's take that and apply that to what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not saying here, he that without sin cast the first stone. In other words, if you, whoever's sinless. Because we know they stoned people in the, in the Old Testament. They stoned people. They followed the law and stoned people and brought judicial judgment against people. And nobody's ever been perfect. Nobody's ever been sinless. So that's not what Jesus was talking about. What was he talking about? He was looking at these guys, and he was, let's put it in the terminology that makes sense. He's saying, you that are without this sin. In other words, we got a group of accusers that are guilty of the same sin they're blaming this woman on. When you put Scripture to Scripture... And apply truth to truth. 
you see there's a whole lot more to this story than meets the eye. Watch this. Watch this. We have the, who's over here? Come on, everybody. Now, now, Jesus is the, all right, haven't got to her yet. He's dealing with the prosecutors. Now, watch. He gets down again. What's he writing? I've heard, I've heard preachers say he's writing the times they were with her. I've heard, I've heard preachers say that, that he's writing all the sins they've committed. But I don't think that's so. If we stay with the rule of first mention, and if we stay with what he did before, what did, what did he use his finger to write in the beginning? Say it again. All right, watch. What did they try to use to condemn this woman and trap him? But they left some out. Could it be? That Jesus was writing in the sand all them laws they left out. Could it be that Jesus was writing in the sand that law that said you got to stone the man too? Could it be that he wrote in there, you're, you're missing some witnesses because it states in the Y'all with me? Jesus has got their number. Now watch. What happens? They get convicted. From the oldest. It's amazing it says that too. I wonder why it says the oldest to the youngest. Could it be the oldest was more familiar with the law? Could it be... He got us. And they begin to leave. One by one, oldest to the youngest, they begin to leave. Now, here's what we have. We have, come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Get with me. We only got 11 minutes. Stay with me now. We have the and the but no right so Jesus got through with them and he turns to her now let me deal with you what's Jesus do he, now here's he, he, keep it in a courtroom scene Keep it in a courtroom scene. Don't get mushy with this. Stay biblical. Stay scriptural. Stay in the moment. Don't, don't let your emotions and past teaching and all this kind of stuff get you all emotional and all mushy on the all of what Jesus is going to do. No. Jesus is a judge. He's still in judgment mode. He is to follow the law. He's through with the accusers. Now he deals with her. But he has to follow the law. So he asks her a technical legal term. Ma'am, you have been accused. Where are your accusers? Do you have any accusers? What's he doing? He's being the judge. He's dealing with the person in front of him and he's asking her, where are your accusers? She looks around. There are none. Jesus says, neither do I 
The word condemn means to stand in judgment. Now watch. There was nobody to stand in judgment with her. There were no accusers. There were no witnesses. There were no anything. They broke camp. They bugged out. She's standing here. Help me. Alone. I am a judge. Let's just put Jesus is the judge. As the judge, if he's going to follow the then he has to say, I cannot condemn you either because there are no witnesses. There are no accusers. So, if I'm going to fulfill the law, I can't stand in judgment either. It's not because he loved her so much. It's not because he was having mercy upon her. It's not because he was excusing her sin and looking over her wickedness. If he was going to follow the law completely according to the law, by the law, he could not judge her. Now legally, he could not judge her. But he moves into the spiritual. Let's put it, let's put it in terminology. Ma'am, because of a technicality, I cannot execute you. But let me tell you this. Knock it off. What does he do? Now he deals with her spiritually. Go and sin no more. Now I know what you're thinking. What? When we get the truth of this story, here's the truth. Let's write this down because I'm running out of time fast. There's two things here. First, first, there's the misinterpretation of the story. There's a misinterpretation of the story. How do people misinterpret the story? First, when Jesus said what he said, he was not making a blanket prohibition to judgment of wrong. In other words, he's not saying don't call out sin. He's not saying don't hold your brother accountable. He's not saying, he's not saying, hey, we're nobody's perfect. We're all the same. That's not what he's saying. And if you read this story wrong and you look at this story wrong, you can take that and try to apply that, but that is absolutely not what's going on here. Because Jesus tells us multiple times, Jesus judged people multiple times. He, he instructed us to judge righteous judgment, have a good assessment of things, have good judgment of character. Are y'all with me? Don't misinterpret this story as, as he is putting out a blanket statement saying you can't. That's not what he's saying. Secondly, secondly, this is not a minimizing of sin. Because he let her go, he is not saying what she did is not wicked. Because people will take this story and say, look, look what Jesus did. Jesus didn't judge her. Why are you judging me? Because they're misinterpreting the story. Jesus could not judge her according to the law. Y'all with me? And by letting her go, he is not minimizing sin. He is not minimizing sin. Number three. This is not an excuse for wicked behavior. This is not an excuse for wicked behavior. All right, B. Would you write this down? Don't you see the moral of the story? We know what the story is not. The story is not making lacks of sin. The story is not Jesus excusing her wickedness and her behavior. Jesus is not sweeping anything under the rug. Jesus is not overlooking the, 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 the behavior of this person. We know what the story is not. What is the story then? What's the moral of the story? First, he trapped the trappers. I love it. They came to trap him, and he trapped them. They got caught in their own trap. 
They got convicted, basically convicted and judged in their own scheme, using their own weapon against them. Be careful how you use the law against the one who wrote it. He'll turn it back on you. He trapped the trappers. Number two, what's the, sec what's the second one say? Say it loud. Say it again. This is the point. This is the point. This is the moral of the story. The point of the story, it's not a feel-good story of somebody being forgiven of their sin. Even though we know he's a Savior and he does forgive sin, and that's all cool and great, but that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that Jesus perfectly kept the law. Jesus perfectly honored and fulfilled the law. Jesus said, I am not come to destroy the law. I am come to fulfill the law. And even when people tried to use the law as a weapon to trap him, him in his perfection, him in his glory, him in his divine wisdom, fulfilled completely the law while showing mercy to someone, say amen. amen. How awesome is Jesus? That's the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that Jesus did what he did, yet he completely fulfilled the law. Man, I hope you're getting this. Number three, number three, and this is so important because this is where the misinterpretation comes in and people mess us all up. He never excused human violation of the law. He wasn't excusing her behavior by law. If he was going to follow the law, he could not judge her because there was no accuser or witnesses. Look at, look at the man who he healed. You remember? The pool of Bethesda. You remember when he found him in the temple and, and revealed himself to him? What did he tell them? You better straighten your act up. He said, because the interpretation and really the application of that, that truth of that guy is he was in the case he was in because of sinful behavior. And what Jesus was saying, don't do that no more because what will come upon you is worse than being crippled. It'll be, end up being in hell. What's the point? Jesus never excuses sin. He never excuses sin sin and he always fulfills and honors the law the law of the lord is perfect and he fulfilled it and he kept it and he honored it this is not about excusing somebody's sin and letting somebody off the hook he didn't let her off the hook he fulfilled the law in not condemning her, executing her, but he made sure she understood, you better not do this anymore. Does this make sense? I know this has probably ruined a lot of y'all's idea of this cool story. But truth is truth. And any way you want to shake it, and any way you want to look at it, even with him fulfilling the law and the way it happened, he still was loving and merciful. Because he was able to do what he did and yet still perfectly fulfill the law. Wow. Anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> Listen, uh, Read the rest of the chapter, uh, and, and we'll, we'll jump into the next, next verse next week. Are, are y'all enjoying John as much as I am? Yeah. Man, let's give him praise. Come on, give him praise. I really am. All right, well, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, thank you for your word, your blessings, your kindness to us. Lord, help us to apply 